Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. You know, we, I guess our, our time really together this morning, right now, and the scripture and where we're going is a, is a continuation, continuing of our Lent journey to the cross. You may have picked up last week that our theme for the season is the power of the gospel. So each week we're going to be seeing different aspects of Jesus' power, his authority, his strength, his supernaturalness that you and I don't have. We're going to see this through the season of Lent leading up to the cross itself. Now last week, when we all gathered in here and we started and kicked off the Lent season, we looked at a scripture verse in Matthew 8 that looked at the healing of the centurion's servants. That's what we looked at last week, that moment when the when the centurion gave Jesus the authority over his heart and what took place. And because of his faith and because of that moment, that led to the healing of his servant, the faith of a man, of someone else, leading to the healing of a different person. And today, we're actually only moving up one chapter, chapter nine in Matthew, same book, but we're just going up one chapter But I'm going to tell you that Jesus has been extremely busy in that one chapter since we've last met last Sunday. He's been very busy. Jesus, according to the book of Matthew, if you recall, when we started last week, Jesus was just barely getting into Capernaum when the centurion actually stopped him right there at the entrance of the city. And that's where that story took place. But since then, since that moment, Jesus He has gone over to Peter's house and has healed Peter's mother-in-law from an illness, from a sickness. She had a fever. She couldn't shake. And so Jesus healed her in that moment. But that was not all. The town, people started seeing that Jesus can do these things. And so that same day, they started bringing people from around the village, around the town of Capernaum, who were demon-possessed, the scripture says. And they brought them to Jesus, and he healed each and every single one of them in that night. And then the scripture continues to say that he decided to go ahead and gather the disciples and get in a boat. Because you see Capernaum is right on the Sea of Galilee. It's right there. It's on the sea. And so he said, let's get in a boat. We're going to go to the other side. So he grabs his guys. He goes in the boat. He tried to cross the Sea of Galilee. And it was then in that journey that the great storm came upon them. And it was then also that Jesus calmed that great storm that questioned the faith of his disciples, who, by the way, were filled with fear, not because of the storm, because Jesus commanded the storm. Mm. And when they got across the Sea of Galilee, they only, when they arrived, they only found 
two more men who were demon-possessed. That seems to be a theme going around here. Two more men, except that these two were extremely violent. Violent. I mean, they would intentionally hurt and provoke. They were violent individuals. The, town, the local town on that side of the sea did not approach these men. In fact, they kept them out bay. Didn't do anything with them. You stay out there, we stay over here, and we'll be fine. That is until Jesus was in the neighborhood. And then immediately when Jesus got off the boat and went up into that rocky area, those two demon-possessed men, the demons inside looked and recalled immediately who that man was. And in fact, the first thing out of their mouth was, what do you want with us, son of God? Have you come to pass judgment on me? And then Jesus sends those demons into a herd of pigs releasing them from the souls of those men, for they've been redeemed. But don't worry, he's not going to stick around for too long. The townspeople start hearing about all this demon possession stuff going on. So they came out and kicked Jesus out of town. We're not going to have any of that over here, Jesus. You know, we kind of like them staying over there. And so they rushed them right back to that boat, and they got right back in, and guess where they went? Right back to Capernaum. Or where Jesus referred to it as? My hometown. They call that place home. And this is where our story picks up. That has happened since last Sunday. That was a busy, I thought I had a busy week this week. <laughs> and I was looking at my schedule going, man, I got a lot of stuff to do. But no, I, don't, I think Jesus maybe had me beat on that one. And here we are, back in Capernaum, where our story picks up. He's working as if he, he doesn't have much time left or something. Let's pray. Father, we just want to pray now over this scripture verse, over this time. Lord, we want to just pray first for clarity and understanding of your word. Not to cause confusion or chaos, but God, that you are a, you are a God of peace. You are a God of clarity, Lord. May we know exactly what you want from us. Father, I pray right now. And as I'm going through this and, and dissecting this scripture and this message, if there's, if there's any shortcomings or any, any, any part of me that fails in delivering this wonderful message, Lord, it is my flesh that's doing so. Let your spirit be stronger than my flesh. And God, I just pray, I pray now that people who, who can hear the sound of your scripture come to know you. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the beginning of Matthew chapter 9, that's where we start off. As Jesus returning to his self-declared hometown of Capernaum. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought Jesus was from Nazareth. In fact, we call him the Nazarene, or Jesus of Nazareth. Well, this is true. Jesus was indeed born in Bethlehem, and he was raised in Nazareth. But if you recall, his local townspeople there in Nazareth didn't really like it when Jesus went into the temple and declared that the Messiah has arrived, and he was kind of implying it was him. And so uh, they decided as a town that we probably need to fix that, so they tried to kill him. But it wasn't his time. And so Jesus went on and found a new home, Capernaum. Which, if you've ever been to Israel, is not that far. A little bit far for a walk, not far for a drive, but it's right down to the Sea of Galilee. 
And this would be his home base for the next three years. This is where Jesus, the area in which he would call home. He didn't have a home. In fact, during those three years, he spent most of his time in Capernaum at Peter's house. That was kind of his headquarters, his home base. He actually liked the town. And for the most part, the town kind of liked him. And so it was a good fit. He could teach there. He could actually instruct there. And he did often. He even taught in the synagogue. Oh, my goodness. And so this was a good place for him to set up ministry and to tell the world about his father. In fact, that is exactly what we find Jesus doing at the beginning of chapter 9. He's teaching. He's instructing. And according to the book of Mark, he is actually teaching inside a house this particular time. So he's inside someone's house. And he's just te- probably enjoying a meal. And all of a sudden, he starts to teach. That's what teachers do. That's what preachers do. You ever come talk to captain? Next thing you know, we're having an altar call. That's, how, that's just how it works. You, get the, you catch the bug of the Spirit, and you just want to teach and preach all the time. So I've served Jesus, lived his life accordingly. And next thing you know, inside this house is this crowd starting to develop. And there was those at the table, I'm sure, and those who were walking by, is, uh, is he teaching? Oh, can I come in? And so here he is coming inside again. But then it got to the point where the house was getting too full. We couldn't fit any more people inside the house. There was way too much. And so they had to start moving them outside. And they did. They started gathering outside the front door, throughout the windows. And the crowd just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There is now an audience to hear. And Jesus still teaching inside the house, I might add. He hasn't gone outside. He's still there. He's kind of trapped in now. He's surrounded by people who are hungry to hear what he has to say, to see what he is going to be able to do. And so at that time, as the crowd was getting bigger and bigger, there were four, four guys. The fifth one in a minute, but there were four. And they started to look at this crowd and they saw who was teaching and they said immediately they were all in the same mind frame. This is Jesus the healer right here. This is who was inside this house. And they all had a friend that they had to look down to because he was paralyzed. And they, those four friends knew, without a shadow of a doubt, if I can bring my friend straight to Jesus that he could heal him. And so they go and they, I mean, he's teaching. He's in the middle of a sermon. The crowd is there. They grab their friend on the mat and they start going through the crowd. Get, you know, move, move, move. But the crowd was too big. They just couldn't get to Jesus. But you see the faith of these four friends on behalf of their paralyzed friend. Was it going to let that be the way it was? That Jesus was too far to reach, too, I can't get, my friend has been paralyzed his life, I have to get to Jesus. And so they looked at each other and thought, let's do something a little unorthodox. Let's go to the roof. And so they grabbed their friend. Could you imagine? They're grabbing their buddy down here. Now, if I'm the guy on the mat, I'll probably be thinking, where are we going? 
to the root. I'm go- am I going with you? <laughs> you know, are you going to do this one on your own? Right. And so they grabbed their buddy and they would not let the great crowd separate them from Jesus. And so they go to the top of the roof. And when they got there to the very top and they were sitting with their, their friend down on the roof, Jesus was just teaching and he was just instructing and the crowds were listening in and I'm sure they were being very attentive. But then all of a sudden, in the middle of Jesus' sermon, you started hearing, what is going on? And next thing you know, is the roof above his head is suddenly drawing some sunlight. It's starting to come apart. It's starting to be ripped to pieces again and again and again. And then Jesus looked up and saw the four friends looking down. There he is. There he is. There's Jesus. Make the hole bigger. He can't fit. And next thing you know, there's a giant hole on top of the roof. And then they grab their friend and they stick him on and they begin to lower him into Jesus' presence. You see, these friends had faith. They had faith that if we can get him to Jesus, He will be healed. He will be healed. That these friends, that after realizing that there was no chance to getting to Jesus through the crowd, that they decided to go to the room, they found a way through their faith to bring them down. And they knew without a shadow of a doubt that before this day was over, that my paralyzed friend and I are going to be walking, skipping, and running down the streets because I'm going to bring him directly to Jesus. And nothing is going to stop me. Nothing is going to stop me. They knew and their faith was strong. In fact, when you read the scripture in all three accounts that it's written in, all three accounts state that when Jesus saw the friends, there was no transaction of words. He didn't say anything to them and they didn't say anything to him. All it said was that Jesus immediately saw their faith. It was burning. He saw it. He saw their faith. And then they brought him down. But I want you to pay attention. Pay attention to what happens next. Now you might be thinking, well, this is the part where they bring the guy down and then he says, brother, you are healed. Oh, a miracle has taken place and we see him skipping around, right? No, that's not what takes place. That's not what takes place in the great crowd. They bring the paralyzed man down to Jesus. And Jesus immediately looked at him. And the words out of his mouth are, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. He's not looking at the outside of his... Jesus is not looking at he can't walk. That's what we look at. That's what we look at. We look at that stuff. We look at the fact that, that, that we look this way, we can't do this, we have this shortcoming, this disability. We look at that. Jesus looked at that man and the only thing he saw was his heart. He said, your sins are forgiven. Now you're healed. Now you've been healed. Your sins are forgiven. But well, it just, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it just be so? Wouldn't it, it just so happened 
that in the crowd that day, standing right outside of this house, because it was getting kind of a big crowd, and I'm sure there was a commotion going around town now, that there were some Pharisees in that crowd that day. And the scripture says, when referencing the Pharisees on that day, the scripture says that the Pharisees began to start thinking, not saying, they're not saying anything out loud. There's no communication. The scripture, all three accounts, said they weren't speaking, that they were thinking. And that the, what the Pharisees were thinking in their mind to themselves is this. Why does this man talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They're doubting Jesus. They're looking at him going, who is this man? Who do you think you are? We're the teachers of the law around here, buddy. Who do you think you are? But then Jesus kind of gives them a little bit of a surprise when he looks at the Pharisees and responds to their thoughts, to the things that are not being said out loud. Jesus looks at the Pharisees and says, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat, and go home? Which is easier? Anybody can say your sins are forgiven. Anyone can say that. Captain can say that. But which is easier? To say it or have the authority to do it? And then Jesus turns his attention to the man and just looks at him and says, get up, take your mat and go home. And then right there before the great crowd, old toes start wingling, his foot starts moving and then he stands up. Grabs his mat, and that man walked right out that front door. Right out that front door. He did, he did not leave the same way he arrived. He did not leave through the roof. He left right through the front door. Right through the front door. You see, his legs were healed, and his heart was forgiven. This man has been saved. He has been healed. And his friends on the roof, guess what they're doing? We're going to be running and skipping the town tonight, guys. That's right. How much on me? You know, this is it. They're excited, ready to go. What power, what power did Jesus display in that room that day? What type of power did Jesus display in that room on that day? He showed every single person, including the Pharisees, that he, Jesus, has come to heal the hearts, that he is here for the soul of mankind, that he has the power to forgive sins. He has the authority to do it. I don't have that authority. I don't have the authority to forgive sins, but Jesus does. He has it. Why? Because he has the authority to tell the broken to be fixed. And then they are. This is the power he showed. See, that day in the house is very important for our faith, for you and I. This was not a typical healing. 
It just wasn't a, here, get better and we'll take your sickness away. Sometimes we're that way, but for this day, for this moment, it was not that purpose. This was proof that Jesus can hear our thoughts, that he can forgive our sins, that he can heal our bodies, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, he is the Christ. He has come, hallelujah. The one that we have been waiting for is here. That's the great crowd that day. This is the Messiah. We are witnessing it. We are seeing it before our face and before our eyes. You see, because of this day, because of this day that took place, because of the faith of the friends who brought the paralyzed man, because of the Pharisees' thoughts, because of the paralyzed man who stood to his feet when Jesus told him to. Because of these things, when Jesus is on the cross and he's looking out to the crowd and he's looking out to the entire world and he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. That Jesus was bringing healing and forgiveness to the broken world because he has the power to do it. He has the authority to say those things and to actually follow through, to do it. Only it won't be when Jesus is on the cross, it won't be the raising of a paralyzed man to bring truth and authority to his words, but instead it will be Jesus himself walking out of a tomb from death, the raising of the Messiah. This is the authority that Jesus has. There is power in our gospel. If there isn't, it's because we haven't made it that way. We haven't told people about it. There are power in the words of the gospel. There is power in Jesus. Power greater than anything that I could ever do and you can do, than our government can do. There is power in Jesus, in those words. So what do we do? What do we do with this information? What do we do with this story that we see in Matthew chapter 9? Well, what we do is this. That you and I must bring our paralyzed hearts to Jesus. We have to do it. Let him bring life. Let Jesus bring life to our hate-filled, often divided sometimes broken and self-imposed dirty hearts. Let him bring life back to it. And there are days, listen, let me tell you, there are days that it looks like there is no hope and that only darkness is on the horizon. I'm sure the paralyzed man spent most of his days feeling that way. Life can look exactly like that until until we seek after him. Pushing our way through the crowd. There are going to be people in your life that are going to try to keep you from getting to Jesus. They're going to keep you away. Who will tell you that there is no more room to stay on the outside, on the outer brain. That's where you belong. I can see you and you belong on that side. I say to you that when those things happen, when those moments in your life, I'm telling you now to go to the roof. Do not let the great crowd come and stop you from going and seeing Jesus. 
Go to the roof. Do it on Orthodox. And it doesn't have to be on Sunday morning, my friends. Go to the roof. And I want you to start breaking away. Start tearing away at all the things that have kept and, and are continued to keep you from Jesus. Keep going. Keep going. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, because everything changes. Everything changes when you get the first glimpse of Jesus from the roof. He's right there. And that moment when he sees you. I've been waiting for you. Come down, come down. Now you're going to want to tell him that moment when you're in front of him, you're going to want to tell him, I'm not worthy. I'm dirty. I'm broken. But all you're going to hear back, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You're forgiven. And then that's when it happens. That's when it happens. True peace that passes all understanding is delivered. Do you have chaos in your life right now? Are you, are you bad? Is there a crowd keeping you away from Jesus? Captain, the crowd is too big. I can't get through. I'm telling you, go to the roof. I'm telling you that go and see Jesus. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Do not give up. Your paralyzed hearts, my paralyzed hearts, starts to beat once again, once we experience the touch and the forgiveness of Jesus. And instead of hate, your heart is gonna be beating love. You're gonna feel it within your veins. You're gonna experience it. This could be a game changer, I'm telling you. That instead of division, you're gonna have unity. Instead of brokenness, there's gonna be healing. And instead of dirtiness, holiness. A holy people. Not better than my brother, no but beside my brother and my sister, carrying the cross on behalf, that we are a part of the church. So I just asked this morning, is there anybody here that needs their heart to be awakened? That needs life to be brought back into their hearts, to their life? Unlike the paralyzed man, you do not have right now in this moment to go to the roof. Just come to the cross. And the altars are open for that meeting right now. To come and see Jesus, the one with power and authority to forgive and to heal. And if you're online right now and you're ready to respond, you too want to go and see Jesus. Leave a comment and our community will immediately start praying for you. You are not alone. You're not by yourself. None of us are. We are the church of God. We are the bride of Christ.
You are not forsaken. You are not forgotten. And you're not alone. So let none of us, none of us leave this place today with a paralyzed heart. Come meet Jesus. I love you, church. And Christ loves you. And we are continuing our Lent season. Imagine the powerful thing God's going to do next through his son, Jesus. This next several weeks, as we continue through this season, expect God to do great things. Expect there to be healing and change, forgiveness. They did on the roof. And they were running down the streets that night. Expect these things. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.